Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I'm here with Danny Hatch, and it's the beginning of September, Labor Day weekend, I believe, and uh, movie stuff happening. Lots of stuff happening. Actually, kind of. Funny enough. Well, see, that, that, that is kind of funny, we're, and we're going to talk about this more in a second. I think as of right now, and maybe maybe this is kind of a tie-in to our previous episode, but right now I think back to school is kind of the bigger thing in both of our lives. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just started my first face-to-face class in about two years on Monday, and uh, so, I'm, so I'm back on campus in front of actual students which just seems weird after spending so much time on Zoom and online. But uh, yep. Dan, Danny, how was your first week of school so far? Yeah, first week was great. Um, you know, I'm definitely getting that sense from a lot of the teachers. I've I've been lucky to have a couple classes on campus because, you know, with a lot of film stuff, you need to actually be handling equipment yeah, in person working with a team, on. right? Yeah, right. but in a lot of my other classes, professors will be like, wide eyes, like, this is my first time being in front of students live face-to-face in two years. <laughs> and, and you know, we're all just figuring it out together. But I think there's kind of this, I don't know, reassuring camaraderie in that. There's a yeah. lot of understanding, a lot of uh, right. forgiveness, you know, um, for, the, for the circumstance. We're all kind of in it together. So I, I, I feel you there, too. And um, I, I feel a little intimidated, like, being in class all day long, because I haven't done that in a while. I've done a lot of the Zoom yeah. calls and everything, too. So uh, I'm a little tired, but I'm, you know, great classes. I'm feeling really great about this semester. So I hope you're good. you're feeling good about your classes. So far, so good. Yeah, good. We'll, uh, we'll have to see, uh, hopefully, that the, uh, the the film department has some good things happening for you. And in yeah. the meantime, there, there is a little bit of stuff happening in the, the actual movie film world. Um, we got a few news items and some some stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, kind of why we say there's sort of things going on right now. There aren't a lot of new releases, but there's a lot of fun things going on during this lull, right? And um, a huge thing for September that I'm seeing here in Utah is there are a lot of uh, conventions going on. So there's this one um, that's going to be next weekend, September 9th through the 11th. That's Phenomicon. So it's like paranormal activity kind of stuff. So it's going on in Vernal, which, you know, shout out to the hometown there. Um, <laughs> because Uina Basin has a lot of fun things there, like Skinwalker Ranch and, you know, places like that. A little kind of creepy. It's desert town, so there's a lot of fun stuff out there. So I think it's a great location for it. And it's it's not necessarily my kind of thing. I think, I don't know if it's that I don't believe it and I don't want to waste my time or I'm scared that something will happen because <laughs> I'm <laughs> cynical. You know what I mean? Like, I do. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I, I kind of sneer at it a little bit, but I'm also too chicken to offer that opportunity of being proven wrong, you know? So uh, I probably go. won't be attending, but something I am looking forward to and hopefully I will be able to attend is uh, FanX, which is going to be the following weekend, the 16th through the 18th. And Fanex for me as a teen was like just huge. I would go with my best friend like every year, and um, it's just such a fun time. I like it a lot. Um, I don't know. I just I have a lot of um, fun meet, meet and greet experiences. I did the Napoleon Dynamite dance back in seventh grade, so I had a vote for Pedro shirt. And <laughs> uh, that year, John Heder uh, was there at um, I think Comic Con was kind of more the name back then, right? 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can legally say that, but we'll just we'll, we'll overlook I'll, it for right I'll now. I'll cut it out. <laughs> I'll bleep it. I'll bleep it. Um, <laughs> but um, he was there, so I got my shirt signed. But um, this guy in full aviator gear came up behind me, grabbed me by the shoulders. It's like, is Napoleon here? And it turns out it was Efren Ramirez, and he kind of spontaneously showed up, and I got my shirt signed by Pedro as well. So. That Very was, nice. you know, just all these fun experiences we've done. Uh, we've gotten pictures taken and dressing up and um, seeing all the vendors. Like, it's it's kind of a fun nerd gathering, you know? And I think especially in Utah, we have our nerd culture here. So it's fun to kind of let loose and be a dork for, for a couple days. Utah is, is a prime location for that kind of event. I think, oh, I yeah. think that there's a huge, huge pop culture following in in utah and, and kind of salt lake city area i've i've been to fan x slash comic-con you know several times it's been a while since i'm trying to remember the last one i actually attended um because i i've gone both as just as a fan and i've gone uh i remember going and covering it for the when i was working on the kjs movie show and yeah it's it's a fun time and and i one of the things i actually enjoyed the most about it was that uh, I'm speaking in the past tense here. One of the things I enjoyed the most was just as a photographer, it's just a gold mine. Oh, yeah. You know, especially if you love people watching and (laughs) and if you're like, I think a lot of, you know, the Comic-Con people are kind of, you know, a little more shy, maybe a little bit more reserved. And and so it's, it's kind of a fun opportunity to get, you know, be a little more outgoing and 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 kind of get over some of your social reservations and stuff. And, you know, I remember just taking pictures of all kinds of crazy people in different outfits and stuff. And, you know, I, I met, I, I didn't have a Napoleon dynamite encounter, but I, <laughs> I met, uh, Lou Ferrigno one year. Oh, cool. Um, the incredible. Yeah. The original incredible Hulk and, uh, met uh, a couple others. It's, I don't know. I, I do have to admit though, that I am a little bit conflicted about whether to attend this year, whether just, just my, And it's not even a COVID thing, you know. I mean, obviously, I think that that might have more of an impact than people assume just because, you know, I think that this was kind of coming together when we kind of felt like, hey, we're free and clear now. But now. Vaccine's doing its job. Yeah. Yeah, So so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that has an impact. But Mm -hmm. but for for me personally, there's more of kind of a a little bit of a been there, done that feel Mm -hmm. Um, just because, you know, I, I don't get the sense that, you know, it, it's not as much about breaking news so much as it is kind of similar to the routine that that's played out <laughs> before where, you know, it's it's fun to see people dressed up. You see people in their costumes. There are, you know, an, an assortment of, you know, pop culture related celebrities. And after you've done it a few times, I, I'm not feeling the same drive to go back and do it again. So yeah. So that's that's kind of where I feel conflicted about it. But no, I mean, it's if you haven't ever been, absolutely go. I think it's a lot of fun, especially if you're, you know, because I'm I'm not a you know a cosplayer or anything myself. But I think that, you know, if you if that's kind of a, you know, part of your your creative expression, then I think it's kind of a no brainer. Like, of course you go to something like this. But even just from kind of a photographer's perspective, my motivation hasn't felt as keen in recent years, and so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So you feel like you're kind of seeing a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. I think it does depend on who comes. True. 
that's gonna that's always like a huge factor if it's you know someone new who you haven't met before yeah. and well and and to be fair part of this might be because I'm still a little shell shocked from my failed attempt to meet Bruce Campbell seven years ago <laughs> I was I I went almost exclusively because I wanted to you know meet him and get his autograph and stuff and wasn't able to pull it off and. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just the lingering disappointment I still have to get over. <laughs> you have resentful feelings towards Fan Bruce, you broke my heart. <laughs> I think and well and to be to be fair, I believe he was there. He just didn't arrive until I had to leave. Oh so, no. It was yeah, it wasn't so, meant to so be. Aww. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh you know, life life goes on. So I guess. Yeah, so what else is happening? Yeah, so um in addition to that, um, you know, there's not a lot of new releases right now, but there's a lot coming out um, about movies that we get to look forward to once we hit, you know, the big holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that, right? And right. so um, a big trailer that dropped that I, I feel like there's kind of a lot of interesting buzz and in how that all worked out and just how it's being received, but the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, mm. um, right. which is highly anticipated because... The last one ended on such a cliffhanger of, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, maybe this is a spoiler, but, you know, just everything's kind of in chaos for Peter Parker right now. And so, right. you know, we're all anxiously... It, it came out like two years ago. I think you're fine. <laughs> was, was it a two years ago? When, when did Far From Home come out? Ooh, oh my goodness. I don't know, because last year was a was blackout it? year, so I don't, I don't even know how long anymore. So it was, yeah, so it was two years ago. Wow. Because it was it was after Endgame. Yeah. Right? Yep. And Endgame was in the spring. Mm. And then Far From Home came out in the summer. That sounds right. And then and then nothing came out last year. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it's been it's been over two years since Far From Home came wow. out. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I mean like okay. if you haven't seen what's going on in the trailer, like I don't know how you can't come across this trailer. Although I think you've avoided it as best <laughs> as you can until I made you watch it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a little if you detect a little tension in this in this episode. Um, no, and I well I should I should say I'm just generally not a fan of trailers in general. Yeah. I mean a really good trailer is fine. What I hate is what trailers have become, which is, you know, it seems like 90% of the ones I watch tell 90% of the story. And yeah. so like multiple twists and turns, you know, I'm tr I'm trying to think of specific examples just you know, but they you basically know, you know, you're, you're introduced to a couple characters at the beginning of the trailer, and by the end of the trailer, you already know that one of them is going to turn out to be, you know, a bad guy or something. Mm -hmm. And and I just, I hate that. And, and even for the ones that don't play out the entire plot, the highlights are just something I'd rather see in person. You know, the, the, the one I always think about, and this is, this is kind of an old example now, um, so I probably ought to get something more updated, but... But I remember years ago seeing the the trailer to so it was the first, it was Jurassic World, mm -hmm. and and they had the clip where they dangle the shark over the tank and then the huge, whatever that dinosaur was jumps out of the water and and eats it whole, and I thought oh well that's a cool scene that I wish I would have just seen in the movie you know because, I think yeah that's really fun for the trailer and it gets people excited but imagine if you hadn't seen that. And then you saw it in the movie for the first time and didn't know that this monstrous thing was going to come up out of the water. And so I just, I hate the way that trailers kind of spoiled too much of that stuff. And 
So I, I generally avoid them when I can. Yeah. Um, no, and I, and I feel you. Except, yeah. except yeah. yeah, except when my podcast partner twists <laughs> my arm and and makes me watch yeah. the Spider-Man trailer. But I do have thoughts. <laughs> well, so. it's it's technically the teaser, so maybe like the full trailer will end up being like that. But I think they did a very good job in this one, where it seems like everything that happens in the trailer happens within the first like twenty minutes, maybe. You know? Oh, does it? Well, it, it looks so that like big, that. that big spoiler at the end, that big that big reveal at the end. <laughs> maybe maybe a little that's... later on, but like, oh my but goodness. they look like things where it's like it's starting conflict, not like the actual finale. But maybe it will be, and then you can be angry with me, and that's okay. All right, I'll, I will I will reserve. I'm I'm gonna put I'm gonna put that on pause. But uh, so so tell me what what did you I mean having watched this thing? Yeah. I mean, so so quickly for context, end of end of Far From Home. Mm-hmm. If you haven't watched it, I it's been two years, so tough beans. <laughs> um, so Peter Parker's identity is revealed by Jonah Jameson, who is played by J.K. Simmons, the original actor from the original Sam Raimi trilogy. Woo-hoo! So so now there's kind of like this overlap between uh, you know the Sam Raimi and the Tom Holland mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so, so it seemed like to me that this, tre- this teaser was mostly dealing with a fallout of, okay, well, Peter Parker's identity has been revealed, and what impact is that going to have on his life, and what's he going to do about it, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I think that's a great way to sum it up, and of course, this is bringing in a whole bunch of other people, like uh, we see Doctor Strange coming in, he's kind of going to help resolve right. things, right? Or... Maybe yeah. not. We'll see. Or, or make, make it, it worse. worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. No, um, but I, I think it's it's an interesting trailer to drop during this time after all the the Marvel shows dealing with, um, you know, the multiple timelines, multiverse kind of stuff. And I think, right, right. for me personally, I think Spider-Man is perfect for this if Marvel's wanting to continue down this path, because we have three Spider-Men, you know? And, yeah. um, no, that's a and good point. so I think, and so like the thing that I've been really hoping for is to get all of them together in this, you know, like, and, and that's what you see everywhere. There are so many memes. It's hilarious. Ugh, even Andrew Garfield. Okay. I, okay. I wish we had more Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Andrew Garfield is my Spider-Man. Okay. And like, I know that's an unpopular opinion, but Andrew Garfield is an amazing, so. amazing actor. Oh okay, but you've seen him in other stuff too. He's he's incredible, and so like. Oh yeah, no, he's and good. And here's the thing. It doesn't make him a good Spider-Man. <sighs> <sighs> okay, <laughs> but him and Emma Stone—that's like, oh, maybe I was just too much of a teen girl during the time that that came out. But that was like the best and saddest relationship I've ever seen in my life, and I wish I got more of it, but I never will, and. Whatever. So, um, <laughs> so that's why I would love to see him come back. And I think you know we have a lot more retrospectives, like you know what worked, what worked and didn't work with Tobey Maguire, what didn't didn't work with Andrew Garfield, and now um, mm-hmm. put him in the mix with Tom Holland. I think it'd be brilliant. So I really hope that's where they're going with this movie. But I like how in the trailer it shows hints with the villains. Right. Well, because that's the big clue, right? Yes. They're teasing villains from, and I mean, it's from in the trailer, so I think we yeah. could talk about it. Yeah. You, you know, we have, you know, Doc Ock from, from the Raimi, you know, from the second movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's apparently going to be in this movie. And 
and uh, Willem Dafoe, you know, we can hear him kind of laughing, and we see a little green goblin, uh, whatever those little grenade things yeah, were that you yeah. threw around. And you said, you know, you say you heard uh, Michael Keaton's voice and stuff. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think it could be fun. I, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see what happens with it. And, and honestly, I really, I've really enjoyed the the Tom Holland movies in general. So I'm happy yeah. to see, happy to see what they do with this one. Now, now, I'm assuming you you saw Into the Spider Verse, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was gonna say like this. It has been be the done. first time, but it wasn't done with Andrew Garfield. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. No. Um... Maybe we ought, maybe we ought to move off for this. No. Because I get, I get the feeling that Andrew Garfield's name is going to be dropped at least a half dozen more times before the end of this episode. And you're just going to be looking for excuses. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, <laughs> okay, I'll drop it. I'll drop it. Into the Spider-Verse did do a great job with that same yeah. kind of concept. And, I mean, just there are so many, you know, ways you could go with that um, artistically, story-wise. Um Mm-hmm. you know, future spinoffs possibly. Like, there were just so many great choices with that, and um, it, it was a fabulous movie. So I, I hope that's what we see here. I wonder, you know, there's all this excitement for it. Not all fans are going to be pleased in the end, like me. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. What I find really interesting with this trailer is how there was so much going around last month about how Marvel was like refusing to put out the trailer or whatever and then this last week it's it's leaked um no. and you know now it's now it's out in the open and um there have been so many memes about that as well so i just i think it was very interesting i wonder post end game if marvel's just doing all they can to stay afloat and relevant cuz like that was huge, you know, Endgame and everything leading up to it. Like, this it was probably the biggest movie feat in this generation, you know, in this last decade, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. So... Yeah, no, it's... I, I don't want to go off on another tangent, but I mean, I just... <laughs> I, th- I think about how... I, I find it significant that Endgame and Rise of Skywalker came out the same year because... Mm. And obviously there was a 10-year buildup of movies leading to Endgame. And so there was a lot more involved in it. But, I mean, Rise of Skywalker was supposed to be the conclusion of another, one of, you know, only three Star Wars trilogies. I, I guess I guess part of the reason that I tie them together is because there was that moment at the end of Rise of Skywalker where it felt like they were trying to do the on-your-left thing <laughs> in Endgame. Yeah. And to me, it felt so lame just like oh really you're going to try to do the same thing um i'm sorry you you haven't earned it you just haven't Mm. earned it um but like i said that's kind of a different tangent that you know we can save for another episode but uh yeah no i i mean i've said this before i i've enjoyed marvel stuff continually i've enjoyed the stuff that they've done since endgame but there's definitely a feeling like "Eh, i'm kind of ready for something else i'm not really just flipping out over the whole multiverse thing it's mm-hmm. interesting i i hope that they keep it accessible enough because if they if they go too far down the the technical rabbit hole i think they'll lose a lot of people and without 
without the big core thing tying everything together like they've had that first 10 years, mm -hmm. I think it, it could be easy for people to kind of just get on with their lives, you know, in, in a moviegoer sense. But uh, yeah, and that that might be happening anyway. Yeah, but. no, I'm definitely feeling that way too. I feel a little Marvel fatigue, and but it's funny seeing how I quickly got sucked back in through all the like the hype, the withholding, but then the sudden release and all the you know buzz around it. So I oh, Danny, it's because you're young. It's because you're young and your hopes have not been crushed. You still have, oh. you still have optimism and, and no, I'm, I'm only That's half kidding. It. I'm only half That's kidding. That's gotta be it. Yeah, no, there's some, there's some oh, no. truth there. No, it's still fun stuff. I mean, movie <laughs> magic is still magic. You know, it's it's yeah. great, but yeah, but I know, just I it's, think it's I, I think it it all feels kind of like a marketing ploy, but very effective. Yeah, and oh it's, yeah. And I'm I'm interested to see what else Marvel is willing to do and like what they have planned to stay you know in people's lives instead of you know letting them be released and move on right yeah yeah so we'll see okay danny so you mentioned earlier that there weren't a whole lot of new releases and unfortunately as we know this is just kind of the reality of this time of year right because if something was really good it would probably already would have come out in the summer because that's the big blockbusters and you know we kind of still got a little bit of gap before the holiday movies right so yeah so yeah so so right now not a whole lot to talk about now i i do want to say that we are going to cover um shang chi and the legend of the ten rings but mm -hmm. we haven't had a chance to see it yet so we're going to have to put that one on hold for our our, our dedicated viewer, our listeners, viewers. I guess, I guess, technically, you could be watching this on, yeah, watching this on YouTube. Hi, mom. But, uh, but, but in the meantime, um, kind of an abbreviated review segment for this episode because the only other one I have anything to mention about is Candyman. Now, you didn't see this one, right? No, because like I was looking at the releases coming out right now, and it's funny because I feel like it's like a horror pre-season you know in september uh, yeah not right, quite october right. but you could be enjoying it through october and that is not my my cup of tea so i haven't seen this one nor gotcha, any of those gotcha. other kind of movies that have been coming out yeah and so well and see i find that interesting too i mean i i'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this one mm -hmm. um but but i think some of those elements are are relevant here because this is definitely framed and presented as a horror movie but by the end of it it's not really a horror movie well i mean it is and it isn't is, is what i'm saying so so okay. I, at, the, at, at the right at the end of the day i'm not entirely surprised that this isn't presented as here's it's halloween time so here's your horror movie i see um so so Candyman is is effectively a sequel okay so you might be familiar there was there was a candy man in 1992 and it had it, it had a couple sequels of its own, and I did this movie this. is wow. yeah. So so this this is an existing franchise. Um, now I did not see the original Candyman uh, because like kind of like you say like movies like this kind of slasher horror type stuff not really my thing, and so I typically haven't gone out of my way to see them unless I had a particular reason. Mm -hmm. um, and in the '90s, seeing Candyman wasn't a priority, but uh, but this one. This one considers that first 1992 movie to be part of its universe. They actually refer 
to the events of that first movie. Um, now, there are, are a couple things that really had me interested in seeing this movie, um, one of which is the fact that it's set in Chicago. It actually kind of revolves around the, the old Cabrini-Breen um, projects, okay. which uh, was kind of a housing project, very, very notorious, um, and then in the time since has been demolished and gentrified and that, and that's actually kind of a theme of this new movie. Um, the other reason that I was more particularly interested in seeing it was because Jordan Peele was involved. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's the guy who did uh, Get Out and Us a couple of years later. Um, now, I have to say, and maybe this explains a bit of the movie to me, but uh, Peele was a, a co-writer on the movie and a producer for the movie. He did not direct it. Uh, Nia DaCosta is the director. I see. So they wanted the name tied with it. Well... I mean, it definitely feels like he's involved. Bottom line, it's not as good as those other movies. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if, if his more peripheral involvement is why. Because basically, it's, it's about this kind of mythic slasher character that is like the, the recurring ghost of a man who was uh, lynched back in the, the 19th century. And he kind of haunts this, uh, you know, housing project. So there's there was already kind of a social justice kind of a you know that that kind of theme in the first one. And again, like I said, I didn't see the first one, but it's it's definitely this is still kind of the same the same setup. Mm-hmm. Now the politics of this new one are much more on the surface, and at least based on what I'm gathering mm-hmm. and just, just watching this movie. So that's, that's why I say it's a horror movie, but at times it feels like it's more interested in sending a political message. And to me, that kind of undercuts it because there's some things I really like about this movie, like uh, the, the tone, the, the soundtrack there, you know, it's not one of these horror movies that's just relying on jump scares and all that kind of stuff. So there's definitely some some interesting and some effective horror movie atmosphere elements that are a lot of fun. And, you know, special effects are good and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But but there's also kind of like this this more recurring political theme that by the time it builds up and, and kind of climaxes in the third act, almost to me feels like it overshadows the horror elements of the movie. And so so it becomes more polarizing where it's it's kind of one of those movies I feel like your takeaway is going to have more to do with your political leanings than how you felt about like the actual whether it was a scary movie or not and and so yeah you know and it's hard to say too much without you know kind of giving away those kind of those fundamental elements but mm-hmm. but it's so it's definitely got some things I really like but like the subtlety of the socially conscious messaging in Get Out and stuff is not present here. This one feels much more explicit, much more on the surface, and and less tactful, I would say. And so if if you really like Jordan Peele's stuff, I think you'll enjoy this, but maybe not as much as mm-hmm. his previous efforts. And maybe that's because he wasn't in the director's chair is as I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's interesting. So is that a, a totally vague? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I don't need you know, a lot of details. Cause 
like I said, I mean, it's I'm probably not going to see it. Um, the Quiet Place is like the furthest I got in horror. I didn't watch oh, it okay. out because that one looked creepy to me. Even though my family like they were like, you have to watch it. It was so good, but I just mm-hmm. I get stressed no, out with that stuff. <laughs> Sure. Oh, sure. And see, and like I said, that's that was why I wanted to see this. That mm-hmm. my my biggest interest in seeing this was, oh, it's another Jordan Peele horror movie. Yeah. I really liked, you know, Get Out was really good. Us wasn't as good, but I still, you know, admired a lot of things about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I felt like, you know, okay, I'll I'll go try Candyman. And coming away from it, it's like, huh. Well, that felt a little bit more obvious in its messaging and more preoccupied with its messaging and so yeah so it's it's got some of those like like i always give credit to horror movies that don't just rely on kind of cheap jump scares and and so i i absolutely give this one the thumbs up in that regard but it's not something i'm you know i i prefer get out a lot more i thought get out was a lot better yeah and and that's about it for their movie reviews this episode so (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) okay so now I heard a rumor that you actually <laughs> followed through on a recommendation I made. I did. Well, here's the thing. I always do what my teachers tell me to do. I'm a very, very good oh, student. Oh, no. So I did my you homework. You consider me an authority figure? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Josh, you know I've learned a lot from you. So, no, and, and <laughs> you're a teacher at my school. So, I mean, practically, uh, I, I have to respect you to some degree in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you have so much to learn. <laughs> oh, no, um, but I did. I did. Um, I watched Sink Street, um, especially oh. after the recommendation you gave for it. Um, and you know what? It was just. I I, I have notes here, and uh, my note just says "Wow." Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, um, it was it was such a great movie. Um, it was a little harder for me to get into than I thought it would be, but I think it's because like. The way you described it, I thought, oh, this is going to be so light and cheerful. But, like, there are some hard themes in it. And it was a yeah. lot darker. And that might be, like, that foreign aspect to it, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's kind of a stereotype with American and Hollywood films being just, you know, very light and fluffy. And <laughs> d- this one dealt with some very serious stuff. Oh, yeah. No, it's there's there's a very lighthearted thread through it. True, but it but but part of what makes it so fun is because it's happening in this more difficult context, and yeah. and I didn't really yeah and I didn't really elaborate on that when I was you know talking about it in the last episode, but no I mean this is this is happening during a real difficult time economically in Ireland back in the eighties and and the family you know the kid who's putting the band together his family's breaking apart yeah and uh, yeah so I I didn't really go into that but uh, I'm I'm glad that you I'm glad that you enjoyed it in spite of that yeah no um. It, it was very good, and um, I think just, like, the stuff with school, I think they touched on some very good things, because it's like a Catholic all-boys school, right? And so there were some kind of... Right, right. There are some stereotypes, some, um, I don't know, questionable things with that, right? Um, so it felt a little, like, Shawshank Redemption kind of, you know, with the school, and... <laughs> but, like, you know, a, a, a teenage version of it, but, like, oh, man, it was kind of hard to see. But I loved, like... Um, uh, that that song that's written in response to that situation, specifically to the school administrator, like that was a powerful right. moment. So it's kind of fun too, where you know these challenges are overcome through music in a very beautiful way, and mm-hmm. um, the the songs were fabulous. So I 100% agree with you on the soundtrack and the brothers' performance. Um, 
the ending especially right. like that got me emotional like i just i i think he was amazing so that yeah. was fun no that's I'm, I'm glad you liked him yeah jack rayner and he's kind of this i don't know he's, he's kind of this burnout right like he tried to go to college <laughs> yeah is he's not he's he's basically just kind of living at home and just kind of spinning his wheels and and when the more I mean he's a really funny fun supporting character but then he has some real depth too yeah. and he has he has a couple of a couple of soliloquies that are just just really really impactful no and that depth is I think probably what hit me the most in the movie because like he he makes this one comment about how he kind of more or less paved the way for his right. brother to kind of fulfill this dream that he once had. Uh-huh. And um, I just think, like, I'm I'm the oldest in my family, and I have a younger sister who is just artistically brilliant in everything she has ever done. And everything she's done are things that I did a couple years before her. <laughs> and so, like, I did dance, and it was okay. I was okay. But then she does it, and, oh, my goodness, she's incredible and graceful and like she shows so much emotion and I did choir for a couple years and it was okay but now she's like um auditioning for her her college musicals and oh, her wow. voice is just gorgeous and and I I told her I'm like if you start going into like directing and movie stuff like I quit I'm I'm done <laughs> you know like but you know it, I I feel that where it's almost like kind of unfair where you feel like you did all this hard work to get into something and you pass on all your knowledge to the the young sibling and then they just you know take off from there and so yeah i i really connected with that and i think he portrayed that so well but still showing that older sibling love which i definitely oh, yeah. feel you know i love i love supporting my siblings and um yeah no i really connected with him on that oh good and um you know you you talk a lot about music movies and i hope with this next segment we're doing you you touch on a few, but something I was thinking with this movie, um, and how often you talk about music in movies, this, um, maybe in a future highlight, we could talk about like favorite movie soundtracks. So not necessarily oh, sure. like scores, yeah. you know, like the John Williams stuff, but more like mm-hmm. kind of like Sing Street because that music was fantastic. So I'd love to yeah. hear more recommendations from you. Oh, yeah. No, I think yeah. I, it would be, we, we could do a, it would be very easy to do a podcast just on great movie soundtracks. There, there are so, so many fantastic ones out there. And and I, as I was thinking about what I wanted to do for this next thing, which we keep teasing, but I'll I'll have to actually reveal here in a sec. Um, all of my choices have fantastic soundtracks. So so oh, that's I, I yeah I that's right it. on. But maybe maybe so okay so. Let's let's go ahead and, and pull back the curtain here. So the first thing I have to say is that this is not my idea. So uh, tra- Travis Poppleton, who who has not appeared on the podcast yet, but I'm, we're going to track him down quite soon. Uh, he he is one of the other co-founders of the Utah Film website. In fact, more of a founder than either either of us. He is the founder. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Is is a man paying paying the bills. <laughs> <laughs> So Travis, he and I had a discussion, gosh, this must be about a year, year ago plus, and he had just had this great idea where he has this conversation with friends where they exchange defining movies with each other where, well, basically what they do is they have this conversation where they say, okay, well, tell me three movies that, like, if I want to know who you are, what three movies should I go see? 
And, and so they're not necessarily your three favorite movies, and they're certainly not like what you think are the three best movies of all time or anything. But it's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, if I want to know who Danny Hatch is, and I just met you for the first time, what three movies should I go see that would give me a sense of who you are? And, and so Travis and I, you know, he, I guess he would just kind of do this, have this conversation with people. And, and then, of course, they would use him as references and referrals, and he'd go and watch the movies. And, and it was just kind of a way of checking out new recommendations and stuff. Um, and so he and I actually had this conversation last year, and it was, it was fantastic. I mean, it was just really fun to kind of, you know, force yourself to really think about how movies connect with you and why. And, and so it just seems like a really obvious good way to, you know, early on in the podcast, you know, we're only a few episodes in, but to kind of give our audience and to give each other an opportunity to kind of get to, it's, it's, it's a getting to know you exercise is effectively what it is. And, and so for the rest of this episode, um, the plan is for, for Danny and I to present our three movies. And, and so I'm going to go ahead and, and pitch it over, Danny, to you first. Yeah, and, sure uh, thing. And, and just what, what reassures me that you're totally on board with this is that uh, you, you felt like you needed to make the same qualifier that Travis and I did when we had our conversation last year, which was that I can't just do three. I have to have like an honorable mention. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll go ahead and turn, turn it over to you and uh, let her rip. Yeah, no, it's a... Uh... It's hard to narrow down, um, especially like this runner-up that I have, this honorable mention. Um, it occurred to me today where, I'm, where I was really thinking more about that question of defining yourself. Because I think these films are also kind of my favorite films of all time mm -hmm. because I have that connection with them, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's logical. It's, yeah. it, it definitely makes sense. It's just there's, there's a distinction between... They don't have to be your favorites. Yeah. They should be movies that, you know, you I feel like. like I. Oh, yeah. But I, I feel like by watching this movie, I understand you a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's an effective conversation starter because I, I got to learn Travis a lot through his picks. He told me his and he got me into the Coen brothers. So. Oh, um, nice. It, it's, it, it, it works very well. Um, but my, my runner up. Um, that I have to mention because I think it defined my generation. I'm a little too young for the Harry Potter crowd. I kind of missed that one. Uh, the next big thing was Hunger Games. Okay. And that trilogy. Because, like, you know, I, I was just perfect demographic for that because there's kind of this trope with those dystopian female protagonists where they're all kind of vague, kind of yeah. very common. It's like... The brown hair teen girl. It's like, oh my goodness, she's just like me. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, in that whole genre, my favorite was Divergent. I loved that one a lot. But um, Hunger Games, I, you know, that coming out, um, reading the books and going to the midnight showings, memorizing the trailers because I had watched them a million times before seeing the movie. And, um, you know, that was huge. And so just kind of thinking back on that and how... You know, that defined a lot of me, you know, my fired up attitude sometimes where it's like down with society. I'll take you all on with this bow. <laughs> you know, um, there, there's something very, very 
there's there's a huge fondness uh in my mind for for those movies so yeah, I had to sense. mention those okay but down to um my top three starting with number three on movies to introduce myself with um i chose jurassic park for the first one because okay. spielberg was definitely gonna be on this list uh like i said i watched I think I watched Indiana Jones more, especially when I was younger, because, like, it was a little more tame, whereas Jurassic Park, my parents didn't want me to watch, you know, dinosaurs eating humans until I was, like, ah. <laughs> I actually hit 13. So, um, but that movie, just, oh, absolutely incredible, terrifying, but exciting. Um, you know, growing up in Vernal, like, dinosaurs? That's a yeah, big part of the right. area there, right. right? Yeah. And as a kid, I, I thought I was... I, I thought I was going to do something with dinosaurs. Like, I read all the books. I knew all the names. You know, like, that was something I was really into my elementary school years. So that was big. And um, I also love Michael Crichton. Um, so that's... Um, I think it kind of sparked a lot of my feelings of, like, movie adaptations of books. Because I have very strong feelings about that. In okay. that I think movies should... Be recognized kind of as their own thing because they're just so different from books so like if you compare jurassic jurassic park the book and jurassic mm -hmm. park the movie they're totally different experiences but right, i enjoyed right. them both you know mm -hmm. so um and, and i i think the big thing with this movie is just how it's so fundamental to how i feel about movies i love a lot of blockbusters for this reason um i also have strong feelings with um practical effects versus uh, CG kind of stuff, and right. that animatronic T-Rex is just terrifying, you know, and it ages so well when you do yeah. that. So, and then, like, the grainy look of non-digital film, like, I, I don't know, there are just so many technical aspects of that movie that I just, I love everything they did there. If it's if it's okay for me to react, and yes. and, and this, this was part of our discussion, too, is that we, you know, we would kind of chime in with our two cents. Please, please. Um, and so... And it, well, and I think I think you'll appreciate my two cents because <laughs> because I you know I, I read the book, watched the movie when it first came out you know years and years ago, and loved it you know positive experience really fun exciting et cetera et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, my lasting memory though is from gosh this must have been six seven years ago um, when it was re released. I think it was a 3D or something. You know, it was during that Ooh, you know, stretch when, yeah. yeah. So Everything was 3D. Yeah, so they had a special press screening of it for the 3D release. And my, my lasting memory was just coming out of that, just thinking, I had forgotten how good that movie was. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because you know that it's good, right? I mean, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's, it's never been one of my favorite Spielberg movies, but I always have thought of it as a good movie, right? And I just remember coming out of that screening thinking, wow, I did not expect that. I don't remember that being so good. And, mm -hmm. and, that, and, and I think for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, because even though it was made, you know, 30 years ago, it holds up. It, it, you know, and the CG holds up. The practical effects hold up. The story is fantastic. The characters mm -hmm. are well drawn. It's exciting. It's got, yeah, it, it really, I'm... I'm glad you picked that one out because that's that's a fun one. That was a good yeah, choice. so good. I can only imagine in 3D, like especially because I was looking this up and it won Oscars for like the effects, but also for the sound. You know, like yeah. everything oh, yeah. they did with the 
with the um, dinosaur noises, like, and in mm. a theater, just to feel that, like, oh, you can only imagine, right. like, right. so good, so good. Excellent. So, second pick is Searching for Bobby Fischer. Aha. Uh-huh. But this is just the sweetest film. Came out in the 90s about this little chess prodigy, little little kid, little seven-year-old, um, whose name is Josh. So he's not Bobby Fischer. Bobby Fischer is kind of this ideal chess prodigy that, like, Josh is always being compared to. So it's it's almost as if, you know, everyone has this expectation of him to become hardened and super competitive. And that's just not Josh. And I watched this movie for the first time my freshman year at BYU. And this was my first semester. Um, the film program there is is amazing. And, um, you know, there, there were some good things going on, but it was also just really hard. It's kind of a little more competitive there, sometimes a little elitist sometimes. And it was, I was feeling a little lost with that. And also just trying to figure out, like, what do I want to do with my life, you know? And yeah. um, we were assigned to watch this film and write an essay about the editing and which the editing is is fabulous it's it's beautifully shot it's it's such a gorgeous film but um i walked out of there and i just i cried <laughs> i oh, went wow. to a bathroom i went to like a little bathroom stall around the corner and i just i sobbed afterwards oh, no. cuz it felt like such an answer to what i was feeling where it's like i don't have to be like that you know i'd always worked so hard to be top of the class, smartest kid in the room, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's who I was, like, all throughout high school. And, you know, trying to figure out college and professional world, what do I want to do? And this movie just kind of showed me, like, I, I don't know how to say this exactly. It, it showed me more the kind of person I wanted to be, where mm. I was just going to be kind of good and, you know, maintain this innocence and just, you know, be me, do what I want, you know, and who cares what expectations of others are and um, to always be doing the right thing. So I just, I think it is such a great film about that childlike innocence and it's just so pure. It makes me cry every time. It's, it's such a good movie. Nice. Yeah, no, so that's interesting because I, I remember it coming out. Mm-hmm. I can picture in my mind the cover or the poster or whatever of this movie I haven't seen it so so oh, okay. I may this may have to be a recommendation that I take from you um, this is your homework assignment it's, yeah no it's, it sounds like it right so <laughs> no because but but I remember like I've, I've heard of Bobby Fisher because he was he was like this famous chess prodigy that you know yeah. he, I, I think that his his legend worked against him and he became very reclusive and all that kind of thing. And I think that's the idea. Yeah. The title is that exactly. you know, they're, they're, they're trying to find the, the heir apparent to this guy who, you know, had a troubled life. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I understand the context of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. No, and I mean, this it's... is a true story as well. Like, oh, is it? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So I didn't know Josh that. was a real person. And this is another movie based on a book. Um, but it's based on the book written by his father about this okay. experience and the relationship he has with his father is also very interesting in the movie too so that's another thing to point out sorry fun fact okay oh no that's no that's very cool <laughs> and then and i mean you know it's it's cool to hear about your reaction to it 
you know, in in the sense that it's very relatable, not not that like, oh, I'm so happy that you had this, you know, emotional breakdown <laughs> after breakdown. watching this, you know, <laughs> but like, no, I mean, that's that's exactly, I think, what's so fun about this, this kind of exercise is that, you know, this mm-hmm. is a movie that, you know, maybe I wouldn't go so as far as saying changed your life, but, but definitely, you know, gave you an opportunity to just kind of see and recognize something that, that had been a struggle and, and those, those personal connections are what makes movies so fun and yeah. make them, you know, it's, it's why, you know, you, you kind of take a step back and, you know, especially when you kind of get into kind of the hardcore fandom of so many different franchises and, and things <laughs> and you realize, you know, what on earth, you know, why do we care so much about this? You know, why does, oh, mm. uh, you know, so what if the movie doesn't do what you want it to do and such and such a character is there or not there or interpreted a different way and, but, but there's, there are good reasons that we have connections, you know, and obviously you can take it too far. And I think a lot of people do, but, True. but, but an example, like what you're sharing, I think is a great way to articulate, you know, the way that movies mean something. They, they, they have meaning, yeah. you know, yeah. legitimate meaning, but, uh, okay. So now I'm excited to hear you. Number one, what's number one? Well, number one is going to build kind of on, on this as well. I think I just have a soft spot for optimism and emotional drama kind of stuff. And and this is, I, I mean, hmm. no, I'll say this is my favorite movie of all time. Okay. I just, I love it so much. All right. <laughs> it's Life is Beautiful. Oh, good. And um, just beautiful movie. And like, um, but it's. Oh, just such a beautiful Italian film by um, Roberto Benigni. And um, he plays this Jewish man, falls in love with this woman. They have a son who's like the cutest kid on the planet. Right. And um, this is during uh, Nazi Germany er era. And um, they are whisked away, the uh, father and son to a, a concentration camp and um to maintain I, I think there's a theme of like childlike innocence here because in order to maintain the um innocence of his son uh the father turns this camp into a game for a son to help him survive mm-hmm. and to follow the rules and to ensure his survival and um i mean it, it does have very great funny moments but it's just so Heartfelt, and I love this idea of how hard things can be turned positively. And, yeah. um, you know, protecting family is very important to me. And so I think, you know, I really relate to that. Also, uh, just kind of as a side note, um, Roberto Benini is probably the most precious human on earth. <laughs> and, um, if you ever need to pick me up, just like go on YouTube and search um, Roberto Benigni wins Oscar for best foreign film, or even like <laughs> the one where he wins best actor in 1999. Oh my goodness! When he's jumping over the seats. <laughs> he yeah, he jumps up on the seat. He's like <laughs> steadying himself with I think it was Spielberg. Like he's holding Spielberg's hand and he's running up and down the stairs, jumping up and oh my goodness, I want to be that happy. Just about movies, about people, about life. Like I just, yeah. I want that kind of happiness so so much. And and I think you know he's the perfect one for this movie, right? To show that happiness of of life, of family, and it's just oh, it's such a good movie. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I have very fond memories of this movie. That was that was a really great one. I, yeah, you know, and it's it, it is funny because you really want to be tactful with the way that you describe it because it's like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. You know, a, yeah, a, com- a comedy about the Holocaust is like, well, no, it's not. It's not a comedy about the Holocaust. It's a drama about a man who uses humor to protect his son from the Holocaust, right? Like that's yeah. because that's that's what's happening is that they're in this horrific situation mm-hmm. and the only way that this father can think of to protect his son from what's going on around him is to try to convince him that it's all a game and that it's all mm-hmm. this, you know, this fantasy and and it's that it's that tension between the reality of what's happening and the just the this bright-eyed little kid who you just as an audience member just want to throw your arms around and protect and shield just yeah. like you know it's so relatable yeah. it makes me it makes me think about Jojo Rabbit from a couple of years ago which is another oh, yeah. you know just an absolute favorite and and think of how the holocaust can be such a a delicate subject to approach mm-hmm. but life is beautiful is one of those movies like Jojo Rabbit that I think just does an amazing job of pulling off something that you really wouldn't think should work, but does so well. That was, yeah. No, yeah, good no. job. I can <laughs> I almost, I can almost just that. say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen Searching for Bobby Fisher, but I could just kind of say ditto to your list and say, oh, yeah, great job. That's, you know, <laughs> that's. Uh, and, and I think it sums me up. Like, I just. I, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily these kind of characters, but they're the right. kind of characters I want to be, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's, I think that's a good way of putting it. It, it yeah. gives you, it, it is nice to have, I mean, and here again, I think that's what, one of the great things about movies is that they can give you something to aspire to, right? That they totally. can, they can, you know, put out a good role model or tell a story that, that gives you you know, the incentive and, you know, maybe, maybe just a little bit of a boost to keep doing what you're doing in your real life to, mm-hmm. you know, keep it up. So no, that's, that's great. That was a, yeah. that was a very good list. Not that I have to Thank approve you. it or anything, but. <laughs> but it is Josh list. approved. Yay. It is, it is, it is. No, I'm so. excited to hear yours though. Okay. Well, so like, like with you, uh-huh. I I need to give a caveat at the beginning. I need to <laughs> I need to uh, make kind of a little contextual comment because and and I shouldn't be embarrassed by this, but I always am because whenever people ask me like, oh, what's your favorite movie, or the, or they'll also say like, well, what's your favorite you know what's your favorite band, and I want to be able to say something really kind of cool and unique and sophisticated and all this right. Mm-hmm. But my default answers always seem to be kind of these obvious, cliched, you know, options. And and so, so for example, like when people want to ask me what my favorite band is, it's really hard for me to not say the Beatles because that was just, that was kind of the band that changed me from a casual music fan to someone who was into music, right? And yeah. so so it was kind of genesis for for that part of my life. Well, you know, they say there's a reason why clichés are clichés, you know? Exactly. They, they exactly. work, right? There's yeah. there's something there. 
And so, so with movies, it's really hard for me to not say Star Wars, like the original 1977 New Hope Star Wars, because oh, yeah. it was the first movie I ever saw in the theater as a baby. I don't, I don't remember seeing it. Was it really? Oh, yeah. Wow. My, parents, my parents took me when I was about less than a year old. Because it came out, it came out like six months after I was born. Yeah. And Aww. and so I mean, they told me that I was afraid of the Jawas. Like that, that's what they said was that I was <laughs> scared of the Jawas. <laughs> and so, kind of in the same way that you described the Hunger Games series, that first Star Wars trilogy is really like the foundation of my appreciation of movies and really pop culture and 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 a lot of the kind of the creative efforts whether it's been drawing or photography or music or whatever a lot of that was inspired by being this star wars crazed little kid you know Mm -hmm. and you know so it's hard to not say star wars yeah but but at the same time because it kind of evolved so far beyond that i almost don't want to say it because for one thing, I think that Empire Strikes Back is a better movie than the original, you know, New Hope. But then it almost feels like, well, it, it's like they're kind of beyond movies. They're really kind of like this foundation of my kind of my creative efforts, mm-hmm. which, you know, maybe that makes it a better fit for this list than any others. But yeah. but I'm using Star Wars in its, you know, at least the first trilogy in its entirety as kind of my equivalent honorable mention. Yeah. You know, if I'm being really honest, it all started there, but but I chose three other movies that I think, you know, maybe in conjunction with Star Wars, the same way as yours are in conjunction with Hunger Games, mm-hmm. really set up kind of like this nice contextual, uh, you know, situations. That's a great way to describe it. Funny, they're both trilogies. Just throw that. No, out no, there. I was. <laughs> yeah, oh, I thought I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so. So I guess I guess in vague reverse order, not necessarily because one is better or worse than the other, but maybe just this is the best order of presentation. Mm-hmm. Since I'm not choosing one particular George Lucas film, I'm going to use another George Lucas film, actually. <laughs> Do it. Um, so my number three is American Graffiti. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Which, uh, which came out about 1973. It, it was the last movie he made before he made Star Wars. Dramatically different movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Night and day. You you really wouldn't think that the same guy made both movies. Uh, it was I didn't know almost it was him. kind of. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know. No. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So so. But I know of it. I'm just surprised. Yeah. Right. Right. No. This so so American Graffiti uh, came out in the early 70s. It's set on the last night of summer in 1962, and it follows the comic dramatic exploits of a handful of close friends on this last night of summer before uh, two of them are supposed to go to college. So so one of them is still younger and he's going to be going back to high school. Two of them are getting ready to fly out to college the next day. And then the fourth member of the group is actually a couple years older. And he's this guy who never went to college. He's never left town. He's just kind of hanging around and he's a, he's a hot rodder. And so he's a drag racer. And, and so the movie is just kind of built around kind of toggling between the different storylines and threads as these different characters encounter different people around town where they're just kind of out driving around, getting in trouble, pulling pranks, you know, trying trying to meet girls. Um, and it's 
what's really kind of fun about it, and I think what makes it really interesting for this exercise, is that I have like relatable connections to all of the main characters, except for maybe one. Mm. And and so it's been interesting over the years to feel connected to one or the other characters when I watch it. And even some of the other, you know, it's it's really it's hard to explain without you know, jumping in and explaining every one of the storylines. So this is the kind of stuff that you grew up doing? Uh, well, but that's what's funny is that it's not. <laughs> I mean, because by the time by the time I was a teenager, Dragging State was not really, you know, I mean, we would kind of joke about it, but it wasn't really, it was any, anything like dragging, you know, the main main street in this in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so there's just like these four separate adventures that are kind of happening simultaneously, but all kind of interwoven with each other and... And it's it's amazing. Like it's got this fantastic soundtrack that's all just kind of like late fifties, early sixties kind of stuff. And and it's so well written and well acted and mm-hmm. and it's really what's interesting too, and again this is something that I I don't really connect to myself, but it's really a portrait of America right before it kind of lost its innocence in the 60s like you know people a lot of times they think of the kennedy assassination as kind of the turning point for that's when the 60s began but this was the more innocent kind of like where you know getting in trouble was going and like pulling a prank you know and on it it wasn't as heavy it wasn't like the heavy of sing street right which is about the 80s right yeah like your your problems the the problems of the these kids in american graffiti don't hold a candle to, you know, it, if only we only had their problems, you know, right? You know, it was, it yeah. was just kind of the, it was the problems of being in high school and not being as popular as you'd like or not <laughs> being able to go and, and get a date on the weekend or, or having to deal with some local street gang who, you know, really wasn't that threatening. And, and so there's, there's definitely a sense of innocence about it, but there's also kind of, it's, it's it's a coming of age movie because you know these characters are kind of coming to a point where their lives are about to change dramatically. Yeah, but those are all still struggles that are very like universal. Right. No, and that's that's why they're so fun. Like I was talking about how I had my breakdown because I was you know in that time right where yeah. I'm trying to like figure out those things that you know everything's changing so I can see the relatability. Right. Right. And so, so there are kind of things that are fun on the surface, like the, the music. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm a big car guy. And so all these cool hot rods, you know, <laughs> are, are a lot of fun. But then it's, yeah. it, it gets a lot deeper, too. You know, I mean, I remember at one point watching it, like right before I started my senior year of high school and being profoundly depressed because all these characters are kind of like riding off into the sunset. And I had to go back to high school for a year. It was just, yeah, it was <laughs> awful. Oh. Anyway, so American Graffiti. It is George Lucas, believe it or not. Um, Crazy. Number two, I wanted to choose one that was a little bit more contemporary um, because okay. obviously there's a lot of movies that I watched as a kid growing up that are really big for me. But this one came out in 2013, and uh, this was uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. So, so this was uh, Ben Stiller, like I said, about, uh, what, about eight years ago now. And, and this, this one came out at the end of of what I considered basically like my first real year of being a movie critic. Um, it was the beginning of 2013 uh, when I started writing more regular reviews and I started doing the, the TV show on KJazz. And so it was the end of two, 2013 was kind of like that first year where I really kind of considered myself a film critic. 
and and Walter Mitty came out that December and just hit me on so mm-hmm. many different levels and and I usually don't concern myself too much with this but I, what I found really interesting at the time was that it wasn't really that well received like it got kind of I think the Rotten Tomatoes score was somewhere in the 50s that's surprising and I remember just being befuddled by it just thinking what on earth are you people talking about like what is your problem so so the movie is about this you know 40 40-ish guy you know early middle-aged who's He's a dreamer, and so he spends a lot of his time kind of zoning out into kind of his imagination. And his day-to-day life is a little bit more mundane, but he's afraid to take chances and to you know make something of it uh, until that all changes. Uh, he works at uh, Life Magazine in New York City, and he he handles the uh, the film, like the literal you know film film roles from the different photographers, and a key. Uh, negative gets lost and so he has to head out on this journey to figure out what happened to this this film negative and in the course of doing so finally kind of breaks out of his shell and takes some chances and and becomes who he was always kind of meant to be you know it's very relatable on kind of a oh you know I I wish I could overcome my fears and go and do these exciting things, you know. So it's a lot of fun, and it's 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 really fun to see Ben Stiller kind of do that. I think he really captures the character really well. And he directed it too. Yes, he, yes, he did. In fact, I remember some, and and I wonder if there's a little bit of cynicism here, but I remember when I saw some of the other responses to the movie, the criticism was, "Oh, it's just a, it's a vanity project for Ben Stiller." And it's like, oh, come on. Like, this has yeah. good grief. I wouldn't agree with that. Because, like, so I'm surprised by the rating because, yeah. like, everyone I know loves this movie. But I, I didn't. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't because, like, of things like that. It was more like it just felt a little too silly for me. I mean, like, all, all my movie picks are, like, these, like, hardcore dramas and everything. So, like, <laughs> and this was during an era where I'm all, like, I think I'm going to go into film. And I'm uh, into Oscar movies. And so, like, it might have also been, like, how I was at the time. The timing. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wouldn't give it that low because I think there are some great story elements here. And No, it is. And it's fun. It's super fun. Oh, yeah. One of the biggest reasons I, I enjoy it, and, and there are more than I have, we have time for me to break down here, but one of the, <laughs> one of the things I love about it the most is, is watching this movie as a photographer because mm. there are so many insights on what is important and what it is like to be a photographer and 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 shooting and trying to you know a lot of it without I, I can't really give the context for this without spoiling you know something kind of significant towards the end of the movie but but basically one of the one of the key messages at least that I took is this idea that you know with photography Sometimes you have to just enjoy the moment and not be so focused on taking the picture. And mm-hmm. and I love that because it's it's so easy as a photographer to just camp out behind the viewfinder and to and to be separated from this world and you have to be able to put that down and kind of you have to live your life as well. And and that's one of the things I really loved about what that movie said. So, yeah, so yeah. So Walter Mitty. No, I can definitely see how that's a very personal yeah. connection. There. No, and and I would, 
again, like I don't know, I would say it is the best movie I've seen since I became more of a a full time or at least more of an official movie critic. But in in my career, quote unquote, it's probably my favorite movie. It's the 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 one the one that it's my favorite movie that I've reviewed, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which leads us to number one, which is I don't. I'm trying to think of where you even begin with this one. Um, <laughs> and it, it, even Star Wars aside, it still might actually be number one. Um, and it's the Blues Brothers. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So so this one. One of the things that makes this movie so fun for me is the way that it has kind of paralleled my own life at different stages and, mm-hmm. and evolved from one thing into another because it, it came out four years after I was born. Mm-hmm. And so, so I remember seeing it as a child. And so, so really quickly, the movie is about two brothers who are ex-cons and they are in a blues band and so they, after one of them gets out of prison at the beginning of the movie, the two of them reform their old band in order to raise money to save the orphanage where they grew up. And so the storyline is about them tracking down all of their old bandmates and recruiting them and then finding a way to put, together, put on a big show to make the $5,000 to pay off like the tax assessment for this orphanage. And of course, along the way, they're, I mean, they're criminals, right? They're crooks. They're, 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 they're like, they're good guys who just can't help but do bad things, right? And yeah. so, you know, just, but, but they're, they're good at heart, right? And mm-hmm. so, so they're running afoul of the law. You know, the police are chasing them, and this country western band is chasing them after they steal their gig, and and then like the the neo Nazis in Illinois are after them, and so. So it's just this crazy, over-the-top, insane movie that, that is, it's crazy, but it's also deadpan. Like, it's really unique in that it's not, it's not a laugh-out-loud movie the way that a lot of other movies were at the time. Mm. And, and so it actually, I would say it's kind of ahead of its time in a way because the deadpan humor that, that we're a little more used to now when I would show this to friends years ago, sometimes it would be a little awkward because it's like, okay, well, this isn't like your three amigos type thing where it's like <laughs> his knee snapper laugh out loud, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But anyway, so, so that's kind of the premise of the movie. And I saw it as a kid and I remembered it primarily for, oh, this is that movie where they have the car chase in the mall because early on in the movie, <laughs> the cops could after them. And in order to get away from them, they actually drive, they literally drive through a shopping mall. And, and it's this famous scene, and that's what I remembered it at, you know, basically until I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. It would it'd come on cable, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is the movie where they drive through the mall. But then, as I became a teenager, I started to get more and more into music, and as I kind of got into, like, R&B and soul and blues music, the soundtrack to the Blues Brothers kind of caught my attention, and I started digging up. I was like, oh, who's John Lee Hooker, and who is, oh, who's Sam and Dave, and, and uh, oh, this is this guy, you know, Cab Calloway, and... and and all these different, you know, Elmore James. And, and so I would start kind of going down these other little, you know, little rabbit holes and, and mm. learning about these different musicians. And so, so the movie became something even more kind of beyond that, where it was, you know, 
I appreciated it because it was this zany, awesome, over-the-top comedy, but then it also, it kind of fostered my love of, you know, American blues and, and R&B and different things. Well, that's kind of a fun thing with movies, too. Sorry, I just want to, like, comment on that idea. I think maybe that's why I can be such of a film nerd sometimes, because there's, there's so much more to the movie than just, like, what you're seeing, right? Like, who yeah. are the actors? Who, mm-hmm. Who's um, who's the director? How did they make that scene? How did they shoot it? What was their inspiration, right? So right, I love right. how this kind of sent you on that path to learn more. Yeah. Oh no. And it was, it's, you know, kind of unfolding more and more, more things. And, and yeah. of course I think the thing that really cemented it and, and like I said, might've put it over the top is like the all time number one. Uh, so, so after, you know, at the conclusion of my teen years, I turned 19 and I, I put in my papers to, you know, go serve a, a church mission mm-hmm. and get a call to Chicago, which is where, the movie is set. Uh, and and at the time, I was under the impression that I was going to go to, like, Vietnam or some... I was, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go to some cool, exotic place and learn a foreign language. I'm going to spend two years just, like, living off the land, and it's going to be this awesome, you know, crazy... And everybody's going to think about, oh, wow, Josh got sent here. And then I get the call to Chicago, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> Stateside, huh? You know? Because, yeah. unfortunately, there was kind of this idea that, oh, you know, it's kind of lame to get a mission call to the to the States. Yeah. No, that's something I could go on and yeah. on about. <laughs> right. I feel right. But then, But then it dawns on me, like, wait a minute. I'm going to Chicago, which is, you know, and I just spent my life watching a movie about two guys in dark suits walking around Chicago telling people they're on a mission from God. That's weird <laughs> so <laughs> should have so gone that, around with sunglasses on oh yeah no and honestly it was it was tempting so, like because <laughs> people people will ask me they'll like say did you actually like say the words we're on a mission from god and it's like i, I could never bring myself to do it because it felt <laughs> like that wasn't you know i i needed to be legitimate as a, mis- a sure. missionary and yeah and take it seriously but yeah but no just kind of realizing <laughs> that oh my goodness i've just got called to this you know this it was it was Totally poetic. And, totally and so, perfect, yeah. Yeah, and, and in the years since, Chicago has been a second home, and I've been back numerous times and been to blues clubs and, you know, hunted down Blues Brothers locations. And, and, and so it's very, very near and dear to my heart, both as a movie and as a city. And, and so it's really hard to think. So as, as, as fundamental as Star Wars is, the Blues Brothers might even be more so by this as – by this point in my life. So, yeah, so those those are the movies. So now so Love you it. obviously you've seen Walter Mitty. Did you had you seen the other two? No. So, I guess I have some homework uh-huh. assignments. <laughs> I guess I guess I keep getting lucky because I only, you know, I I'd, I'd seen 3 of the 4 movies that you that you mentioned. Yeah. No, I'm I'm starting to so. think about it. I'm like, you know what? If it came out in the 90s, I saw it, but I'm thinking <laughs> Yeah. No, I've I've definitely got my uh, my homework cut out for me. That's right. That's um, right. Well, I guess <laughs> I guess this is par for the course right now, right? I mean, we're uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might as well might as well get used to it now. It's September. I know. I know exactly. No, I'm gonna use it to avoid doing other assignments like I should be. But um, there you go. There you go. But you know, that's that's us. You know. 
that kind of, I think, sums everything up, don't you think? I think <laughs> well, maybe I think, not everything. No, it's, but it, at I, least it, it's at least a really good start. No, it's a very, very good start. I think yours were were very good picks for you, uh, as far as you know, how much I know of you through our um, <laughs> podcast episodes, Zoom calls, right. and all that. That's right. That's right. But um, we're yeah. really interested for anyone who's listening to put down your three movies and you know say what you think of ours. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I was I was thinking the same thing. I I think that. Uh, I'd love to see what people come up with. I'd, I'd love to have this conversation with all kinds of different friends and family members. So I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad that you and I could use it here. Thanks <laughs> thanks to Travis, right? Because it's we have to give credit to Travis. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. All right. Okay. Well, I think that should probably wrap it up for a, kind of a special episode yeah. of Utah Film Pod. Thanks, Danny. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening and taking the time to hang out with us a little bit. And just like Danny said, I mean, Go ahead and drop us a comment, drop us a line, and uh, we'd love to hear from you and hear more from you in the future. So until next time, take it easy. Mm-hmm.